This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. All right. Well, good to see everybody. Glad you're here. We're doing okay? Perfect. Awesome. Vibrant. Vibrant. Hey, there's some leftover breakfast tacos, by the way. They got here a little late, so one of those things as well where, like, you order them and then they get canceled morning of, and then they're like, oh, what happened to the tacos? And like, oh, we canceled them. Like, oh, super. So um, they got here a little late. Way to go, Sam, for grabbing them for us. Um, Yep. Dealing with that. But so grab one later if you so desire. Uh, Just to give a a little background, because I know there's some new faces. Uh, So my family, we moved here two years ago, so two summers ago, uh, to start Austin Life Church. We started in our home. Um, with the community group. So we believe that this, this gathering is biblical and it's essential. Um, God tells us to do this. But we also think that, and, and you see it in the Bible, that meeting in small groups in homes or, or wherever in smaller settings is also important and essential. Um, and so for us, we believe that, that we could more easily start with community and then add this rather than start here and add community. And so we started with community groups and then we launched the services um, last September, so we're coming up on a year of a fully, fully launched church. Um, it's been an incredible ride. It's been a wild ride. It blows me away that it's it's a year. Um, it's been it's been quite the year. So uh, so glad that you're here uh, to be a part of this and just to see whatever God does today and, and going forward. Um, so I wanted to just start off thinking a little bit of y'all ever play the game Would You Rather? Is it an official game or is it just like an unofficial? You have these icebreaker questions. Anybody know that? Is there like a box of it? There is. Okay, cool. So a little, a little Would You Rather, um, and, and you don't have to, you don't have to like raise your hand or stand. Just answer in your own own mind. We could do. Never mind. Um, would you rather be successful in a job or fail at it? Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, we got, a, we got a verbal response. I don't know where it came from, but I like it. Successful, okay. Would you rather have money or have none? Would you rather be happy or sad? Okay, so I know it's like this is a really anticlimactic game of would you rather. Um, I get that. And that was intentional. That was intentional. So it was a very intentionally slanted um, answers because I'm relatively confident that 100% of us would rather be successful than fail. 100% of us would rather have money than not if given the option. 100% of us would rather be happy than, than sad. Like I'm, I'm pretty confident in those, those odds. And the reason I'm confident in that is because there was an, an old monk who, who said this quote, and I believe it to be true, St. Th- Thomas Aquinas. He said, there is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. There is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. And so I, I believe that within every one of us, there is in us our de- a desire for, for happiness, for purpose, for meaning, for joy, for satisfaction. I, I believe we all want make, to make the most out of life. If given the option to make the most out of life or to just kind of waste it, I'm pretty certain we're all going to say, yeah, I'll make the most out of it, right? To, to be satisfied with a day or a month or a year or, or a lifetime, I think we're all going to pick satisfaction rather than dissatisfaction, happiness over disappointment. Like Because we are a human species created to seek after happiness, to seek after ultimate satisfaction and pleasure and joy. So we're going to pick where we live 
because we think that that option is going to result in a greater level of happiness than another option. We're going to pick a career or a job if we get the options because we think whatever job it is is better than the other options or is better than no job, right? So we're going to make that, we're going to choose a, to, uh, to go to a certain school or to go to no school or to take, we're going to choose the path because ultimately we think it's going to work out best for us. Sometimes things happen to us that we don't choose, right? Like we, there's things that are done to us or just natural effects that happen to us that it's like, I didn't choose that and it wasn't very happy, but, but we choose how we respond to those things. So we get a diagnosis. I didn't pick that, but I can choose how I'm going to respond to that, what I'm going to do to approach it based on what we think is ultimately going to result in our greater satisfaction, right? Is everybody with me and agree with this general principle of, of humanity? And so that is the end. That's the truth for all of us. That's the end that we're all pursuing. And we are going to wager with our lives the choices that we make, believing they're going to go right, believing they're going to be best. Uh, Blaise Pascal, uh, mathematician, theologian, uh, just generally smart fella, he said, we are all betting our lives on something. We live life leaning forward, bent on arriving at the place we long for, betting with our lives that we are heading towards what is right. Like we, we have options before us all the time. I forgot the number, like the number of decisions we make each day. It was some like thousands of decisions we make each day. And, and we, we lean forward and we head towards what we think is going to result in the best for our lives, what we think is right. And we're making these wagers, if you want to use that terminology, towards what we think is right. But what if what we're going towards is not the right thing? What if we're betting our lives on something? What if we're wagering our satisfaction and our joy in life in something that's not going to satisfy us? What do we do when we put all of our eggs in one basket only to find out that it didn't actually hold? Where we, we invested ourselves, our hearts, our energy towards something that only let us down. And my, my bet again is that 100% of us can probably even look back within this last week and say, yeah, I, I put my hopes towards something that disappointed. I, I banked on something that didn't come through. I, I let my heart be attached to something that, that, just, that just hurt. So what do we do if we're, we're trying to grab hold of the most out of life and what we're grabbing hold of is, is not actually doing it, is only leaving us grasping for more and more and more? We see this begin in Genesis chapter 3, right? In the very beginning of the Bible, we see this start to happen when, when Adam and Eve, they have everything. They've got perfection. They're walking in the Garden of Eden with the presence of God. They're just talking with him. They're just doing their thing. Everything is perfect. And then the devil comes in and says, hey, 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 take your eyes off of God and look at this fruit. Like, doesn't it look amazing? Don't you think you should make your, the choice on that? I know God said don't do it, but... Come on, it looks great, it looks appealing, you're smart, you can make your own decisions. And in that moment, they have a decision and they choose what they think is pleasing to themselves. It says that it was a delight to the eyes and that it was desired to make one wise. So they made a choice based on what they thought would go well for them and they grabbed hold of something only to find that brokenness followed. Only to find that their hearts were disappointed, only to find that it did not live up to what was advertised. You ever felt that way, encountered that in life? 
You, you, you grabbed hold of a relationship that didn't, didn't go well. You, you tried to satisfy your, your thirst for something that, that ultimately just didn't, didn't satisfy. We see the same thing happening in Jeremiah chapter 2. God says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and then they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The, if you had the choice to drink water from a water bottle or, or to pull out this plant and f- let, let rainwater fill it and drink that water, which, which, which options are you going to go to for your water? Both are on the table. This water or rainwater that fills up this, this pot, which, which one are we picking for your source of water? I, thanks, thanks for the participation there, Mark. I appreciate it. I, again, again, no brainer, right? We're, we're picking the bottle of water. If the options are there, this over rainwater that filled up in a pot. And yet God says in Jeremiah, hey, you have the choice for living water, and yet you're digging these pits, these pots, and you're letting the rainwater fall into it, and that's where you're trying to get your source of water. You're, you're walking away from what will truly satisfy and trying to grab hold of something in a broken pot that will never fill you. That's what he's saying in Jeremiah chapter 2, and that is what we do all the time. Is we, we forsake what is best for broken pots that can never fill us and never satisfy us. We think that if we just have more money, we're gonna, then, then we'll finally get to a place where we can rest and be at ease because we, we have our budget filled out just how we want it and we have our security laid out just how we want it only to realize like, man, if only I then had a little bit more money, we think if I can just climb the ladder to this rank, to this position, like I'll finally feel fulfilled and then we get there and we find, man, there's nothing there even. We think if... Man, if what I'm disappointed in here can just change, if, if only my loneliness can be met with a companion or with a family or with something, then, then I'm finally going to be satisfied only to find that that, that doesn't work either. We, we try to fill our lives over and over and over again with not necessarily bad things, but not things that can satisfy what we were created for. I mean, even Disney gets it. Anybody seen the movie Aladdin? Yes? Show of hands? Perfect? Good? It's good. It's a good film. Our kids are digging it right now. It's already been purchased, and so it's just on repeat all the time. And even, so even Disney gets it. Genie comes out of the bottle, and he's like, hey, what do you want, man? He says, most people wish for lots of money and power, but then he says, do me a favor and don't drink from that cup because there is not enough money or power on earth for you to be satisfied. I mean, Disney gets it. Like, they, they understand that don't drink from that cup because you're going to find that you'll never, ever, ever get enough. It's just not going to satisfy. And we do it all the time. For many, they never find what they're looking for. There's a constant search for satisfaction and happiness and meaning, and they spend their whole life chasing and never find what they're looking for. 
for many of us, we found that answer, but, but then we just substitute it in and out all the time. So what is it? If that's, how, if that's how your heart is created, which it is, that we want the most out of life, we're making decisions right now and for the rest of the day, we're making decisions based on what we think is going to most satisfy us, what is it that will ultimately satisfy? What is it that won't leave us constantly thirsty and looking for more? Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. He's talking to God. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness, the complete capacity, the the complete abundance. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Where does David say the answer is? You, God, make known to me the path of life. In your presence, God, is the fullness of joy. At your right hand, Lord, are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not be in need. The Lord is my shepherd, with him I have everything that I need. St. Augustine, several years after the Bible was written, said this quote in his book, Confessions, you have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. You've created us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. C.S. Lewis, in Mere Christianity, he said, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other, period. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. He cannot give us satisfaction and peace and happiness in all of these things that we chase after because that's not where happiness and satisfaction and peace ultimately lies. It is in his presence. It is with the Lord that we find everything we're searching for, everything that we're seeking after, all the fullness of joy and satisfaction and desire that you and I all want today, right now, is found in the presence of God. If we have him according to the Bible and according to what others have experienced before us, if we have him, then we can be fully satisfied regardless of the circumstances going on around us. Regardless of the disappointments of our career or the plans that we had that didn't pan out or the the family that that just hasn't worked out together or, or regardless of those circumstances, if we have the presence of the living God with us, the Bible says we can have the fullness of joy. Because that is what the human soul is created for. That's what we're made for. Whether you know it or not today, that's what you're looking for. Whether you would admit and say the end of what I want is God himself, whether you would admit that or not, that is what you're created for. And if anything else takes the place of that end goal, you're going to find yourself lacking and looking for more because it's not made to satisfy. Only he is. So how do we get this living water? How do we we grab hold of this offer for living water that was made to us? 
The answer, Jesus. The perfect church answer, Jesus. John 10.10 says that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. There is a thief In Genesis 3, there was a thief, there was an enemy, that all he wants to do is make us think, make us believe that something else is better than following God. Something else is better than trusting God. That is his whole purpose, because when we do that, destruction, death, stealing, that's what follows. But Jesus, who's greater than the enemy, has come that we would have life, and not just like, okay, that's good, but abundant life, like more than we can imagine. Like we think it's here, and Jesus is like, come on, let's go. There's so much more than what we've yet to achieve. That's what Jesus came to bring us, abundant life in the presence of God. That's why Jesus came, to bring us that life that we look for in the presence of God. It makes me think of the woman in the, at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus is, is on, on a journey and he gets thirsty and so they stop at this well in Samaria to get some water. And so there's disciples going to town to get lunch and Jesus is just hanging out at the well and it says it's around noon and this woman comes to the well to get water. I mean, normal activity, right? They're gonna walk to a well to fill up pitchers of water, take it back. But what's unique about this woman is that she's coming at noon. That's not when most people would go to the well. Why? Because it's hot. Go in the morning before the sun is up. Go in the morning before it's 200 degrees and get your water. But here she is coming to the well at noon alone. And so Jesus sees her and knows that she's not just looking for water. Like there's a reason why she's going out of her way to come get water at noon. She's not just looking for water. She's looking for satisfaction. She's looking for answers that will satisfy her longing soul. And so he He tells her, hey, if you keep drinking from this water, you're just going to be thirsty again. And she's thinking physical water. And she's like, well, what do you offer? He's like, if you drink from the water I give you, you'll never be thirsty again. She's still thinking physical water. And so she's like, let's go. I don't want to keep coming back here and getting water. I don't want to have to like face my shame every day at the middle of the heat of the day and avoid people. Like, If you can just give me a direct line to the house, perfect, let's do this. Where's that living water that I'll never be thirsty again? And so Jesus then moves to the heart, what she's really looking after. And she says, hey, Jesus says, hey, go get your husband. Bring him here. And she says, I don't have one. And Jesus said, you're right. You've had five. And the sixth man that you're with now is not your husband. Jesus wasn't trying to shame her or call her out. He was trying to get to the heart that she was looking for satisfaction in the arms of a man. She thought if she could just find the one, then, then, then her longings for, for life would be filled, but, but the one didn't work out, and so she just thought if I can find the number two, if he's, if he's the right one, then, then that's where I'm going to find my completion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be happy and satisfied finally, but... but but number two didn't work out because it's a broken cistern that doesn't actually fill. So she's like, let me, let me try number three. And then she gets to number three. It's like, this isn't it. And so, she, and so she's looking for this satisfaction in a relationship, in a companion. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's never going to work. Because that's not what your heart is created for. And it's in that realization where her eyes finally open and she sees Man, I'm not satisfied in all the things chasing after that Jesus says, but I can give you living water. It's me. 
I am your answer to the presence of God, which is where you are fully satisfied. And she trusts in Jesus in that moment and finds the living water that she'd been looking for. This is the message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. This is what God is trying to teach us today. This is why God has us here as a church, is that we are all looking to make the most out of life, and everything will leave us short except for one. And it's a relationship with God himself through Jesus. Everything else falls short. He will, never, he will never let us down. He will always satisfy Jesus in my place. The living water that we look for is found in Jesus, in knowing him, in trusting him, in following him. And that is why, as a church, we are purely about leading people to life in Jesus. Because if, as a church, we lead people anywhere else, then we are not leading people to life. We're leading people to religion, and that's going to fall short. We're leading people to community, and that's going to fall short. We're leading people to service, and that's going to fall short. We're leading people to, to mission, and that's going to fall short. Leading people to Jesus is the only answer that will satisfy our souls. And so as a church, that is all that we want to do is for you to know Jesus more and more and more. And if you've never met Jesus, to see him and to trust him just like this woman did and to find your life in him. And if you've known him basically your entire life, to know that we never reach a ceiling of knowing Christ and that we can know him more today and tomorrow and for the rest of our lives and still never get there. That is what we desire because that is the message of the entire Bible is to find life in Jesus. How does that work? Like, sure, that, okay, that's easy to say. What does that actually mean? How does that actually work? So for this woman in John 4, for Adam and Eve, for the people in Jeremiah, you see, what happens is we're created for that relationship with God, but we've all gone our own way. God is holy and perfect, and we've all, we're all unholy and imperfect. And the Bible calls that sin, and it separates us from the presence of God, from the only source of true life, a relationship with him. Our sin separates us from him. We walk away from him. And so somehow we've got to be restored back to a relationship with God. And that sin that separates us has to be removed. And so Jesus comes in our place to do what we could not do, to fix what we've broken. God expected a perfect life from us. I don't know about you, but I lost that record a long time ago. My daughter's nodding yes. God expects a perfect life from us. None of us live up to that standard. And so Jesus, God himself, comes to stand in our place and do what we could not do and live a perfect life of submission and obedience. Zero sins. Well, then we've got to pay the price for our sin. We're guilt if I get a speeding ticket, I've got to pay the fine. Like We've got to pay the price for our guilt. But the price for my guilt is eternal separation from God. It's death. It's separation from him. I don't want to pay that price. And so Jesus comes to pay the price for me. And he dies on the cross and takes all of my sins on himself and is separated from the Father so that I don't have to be. And then when he rises from the dead, he's declaring, this is done. This is it. And he's offering us an exchange that he will take our sin and give us his righteousness so that we can be restored to the righteous presence of God. That's what we need. That's what we're created for. And Jesus has come to stand in my place so that I can stand in his. 
Jesus has come to do what I could not do and to fix what was broken, what I broke, so that I can finally have satisfaction, joy, peace, life in him. That is the message of the Bible. That is the message of the gospel. Everything we are looking for is found in Jesus. Everything. We want relationship and companionship. We want to be satisfied by by someone loving us and caring for us, and none of us are going to do that for each other. But his love is perfect, and it is amazingly unconditional, and it is steadfast. While Even while I'm sinning against him, he's moving near to me in love. While I'm actively in opposition to him, he is moving towards me in love. We want peace. And so we think if I just have this security, if I have all these answers filled out, like if all of my my to-do list is checked off, like finally my anxious soul is going to be set free and I'll find peace and none of that's going to ultimately do it. Only peace in God and Jesus who has done everything for us. That the greatest thing we need to do is settle our sin and we couldn't do it. And so Jesus did it for us and brings us peace. We want to know that we have purpose. Like, am I making a difference in this life? And so we, we try to like work and work and work and do and be successful and, and meet all of these, you know, climb the ladder. And then we have purpose. And Jesus is like, your, your purpose is to know me and make me known. And if you're doing that, it doesn't matter where you are on the corporate level or what size house you have or don't have or wherever. Like, your purpose is in knowing him and making him known. Anyone and everyone can do that. We're free to do that wherever. Everything we are looking for is found in Jesus. Where our disappointments and our unsatisfactions come in is when we try to replace Christ with something else. And the invitation from Jesus is, hey, come on, it's okay, let's leave that. Let's leave it. And you may walk in here today and think like, I'm not worthy to be here. I'm I'm too broken, I'm too messed up, I'm like, I'm not worthy, and Jesus is like, hey, 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 come on, I settled that. Leave it, let's go. He took care of that. We can, we can leave it and return, and he's, he's welcoming us. There's no conditions. There's no like, hey, go clean yourself up first. Get your act together first. Come and worship, and he will help us do the rest. Everything we're looking for is found in Jesus. And so as a church, one year old, and, and if, you're, you're figure, if you're new here and you're like, what, what, are we, what are y'all about? Like, as a church, that is what we are about, leading people to life in Jesus, period. End of story. Close the book. Game over. That's, that's all we want. We have no desires to be some mega church or to have all these groups or whatever. Like, if, that's, if that results in people knowing Jesus, perfect, great, whatever. We just want people to know and love Jesus because he is the only place that we find life. Otherwise, we're leading you somewhere else that won't actually satisfy. And we believe a big value for us is that there's always an open seat at the table. I mean, I, I know growing up, and, and maybe your background is, is you feel like you have to dress a certain way or look a certain way, or you've got to stop doing these things, or if you really told people what was going on in your life, like no way that you'd be accepted. And, and then you just look at who Jesus hung out with in the Bible, like who he shared meals with, like sat down with and rubbed shoulders with and did life with. I mean, it's all over the place. The, the religious people are getting mad at Jesus because he's going and he's having a party with the drunks and the tax collectors. And like, what's, what's he doing? They're getting mad at him because, because Jesus is having dinner and, and a, a lady of the night, a prostitute, comes up and washes his feet and Jesus accepts her into his community. And they're like, what are you doing, Jesus? 
Like, she's not clean. And yet Jesus has an open seat at the table for anyone and everyone to come and explore who he is and find life in him. The expectation is not on us to, to fix people or to clean people up. Jesus will do that. Jesus transforms lives. Jesus changes lives. And so we just want people to know Jesus. And so there's always an open seat at the table for anyone and everyone to come and explore who Jesus is and to let him change lives. It's okay to not be okay. It is okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to settle there. And so we're going to be honest because Jesus says, hey, come on, it's all right. We can work with that. It's okay. It's just not okay for us to settle there. We don't want to settle. We, we, we want to lead people to life in Jesus. And so I don't know where you came today. I don't know what your story is. I, I don't know what last night looked like. What I know is that today there's a fresh start offered for more in Christ. And if you came in and you're on the mountaintop, like you're just soaring you don't think you can get any closer to God himself? The invitation is, hey, there's so much more to be had in Jesus. Let's go. And so that's our hope. If this is your church home, then, then we believe that you're, you're standing with us and saying that's what we're about to, is leading people to life in Jesus. If you're looking for a church, if you're unsure, you're like, hey, what, what do they want to accomplish there? Cards on the table, we want you to know Jesus. We just want you to, to know him and to trust him and to follow him with your life because we believe that's where life is found. Luke chapter 9, this is the invitation Jesus gives to us. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The invitation for Jesus is what we all want, and that's life, the fullness and abundance of life. And he says, if you want to go grab hold of your own life and do your own thing, the promise of Jesus is that you're ultimately going to miss out and lose it. But if you're willing to surrender control of your life and trust Jesus, the promise of Jesus is that you'll find it. You'll find abundance of life, the forgiveness of sins, and that you'll be made new in him, and that everything changes with Christ. That's our hope today. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, you know, see you again or what. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Our hope is that today, right here, right now, that you will find life in Christ and that you will know him more and love him more because of how incredible he is. He's worth it. His love for you is unmatched. His grace unrivaled. His mercy, you won't find anything like it. He is what our hearts are created for, is to find the presence of God through Jesus. That's our hope for you today. Let's pray. God, would you do the work of letting us taste and see how good you are? God, we have tried to eat and to drink of, of things that will never satisfy. We've tried to be filled um, in life with things that we know don't fill. Even now, God, I, I know that, that there's, there's the temptation to hold on tightly, to, to, to want to, to follow you, to want to grab hold of you, but we also want to hold on to other things. And in so doing, God, we can't grab hold of you. 
So would you give us the courage and the strength to let go of everything else except you and to trust that you are good and that in following you, we're going to find life. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.